there's a breaking news story in South Carolina athletics. I'm the one you want to follow to find out what's going on with that information. I can guarantee you you'll have all details, all sides of the story, just as fast as I can get them, and I can get them pretty fast. Hi, I'm Gene Sapikoff, college sports editor of the Charleston Post and Courier, and we're here, as usual, weekly with David Kloniger, the supreme beat writer of the Charleston Post and Courier, who covers all Carolina Gamecocks. If you'd like to read more of David's incredibly cool newsletter, check out postandcourier.com slash Gamecocks now. And I just want to say that as the season goes on, and as we kind of have overlap, lap seasons with men's basketball women's basketball baseball practices things like that i mean this newsletter is just uh, better and better and uh, a great christmas gift for the gamecock fan on your list david first let's talk Vandyland. what were your impressions of the gamecocks 38 27 victory over the vanderbilt commodores in nashville tennessee last saturday Oh, you don't talk about that. I thought you want to talk about the Vanderbilt press box, but that's okay. We can talk about that at a later time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they won the game, uh, Gene, and they they kind of big played Vanderbilt to death, if that makes any sense. Um, some sustained drives, but mostly they were just hitting a lot of big plays. You know, the very first long pass from Rattler to Xavier Leggett for a touchdown. To carry on Joyner doing some Fort Dorchester to carry on Joyner, Mr. Football things, you know, spinning out of a tackle that looked like he was going to get dragged down from behind and flicking a touchdown pass to Juice Wells. Christian Bill Smith had a big touchdown run. So they had the plays where they needed to. They had a bend but don't break uh, philosophy when it came to defense because uh, Vanderbilt was running all through them. I mean, it was not a uh, a one-sided game by any means, but they got the win. The Gamecocks are bowl eligible, and now they're looking to pad that and get to perhaps a little better, a little warmer bowl, as you pointed out in your column this morning, Gene, and uh, try to win at Florida this weekend and then maybe even get a couple more after that. David, first let's talk Gamecock offense and the interesting dichotomy in which the Gamecocks do not have Marshawn Lloyd in Nashville, but a Jaheim Bell sighting over and over. And as you pointed out, you know, Joyner playing really well and CBS, who, you know, for injury reasons and so forth, hasn't really been there. But let's specifically talk Bell and how they used him in Nashville. It's crazy, Gene. Uh, maybe after a week of criticism about why you aren't using this guy, they said, Maybe we ought to use this guy. Or maybe it was just because of the injury to uh, to Lloyd. But either way, Bell got to play, and he got to play a lot. He had 16 carries. He caught three passes. And he's a guy that you just got to have out there because no matter what, even if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, the opponent's got to respect him if the ball could get in his hands. So it never made much sense to me nor a lot of you who made your feelings known on social media about why he wasn't being used specifically in the uh, game against Missouri. And, uh, you know, I doubt that Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer, you know, read all that criticism and said, we got to play that guy this week, get all the fans off our butts. No, I think they said Lloyd's out. Who's going to take the ball? Because as big and aggressive as Beal Smith is, He's not the kind of every down back you want. I mean, he's a guy that can bull forward, get you a few yards, and he does have some nice breakaway speed, but he's not going to be that guy that's real shifty. And Juju McDowell, bless his heart, he's going to make some plays for you, but you got to put him out in space to do it. He can't run between the tackles. So it was a case of necessity. Maybe it was a little case of like, 
okay, we screwed up, but Bell got the ball and played well. And I would expect that to continue going forward because no matter what, Gene, as I said, if he's on the field, the opposing defensive coordinators like, go, go cover that guy. Number zero. We got to have a guy on him. David, let's talk a little bit about the other side of the football in Nashville and going forward. I don't know about you, man, but for my money, Nick Emanwari is an all SEC caliber player. I hope I hope he makes it. I don't know if he'll make first team. I think he probably deserves it. But wow, what a good player. And but but as uh, you know, you talked about with asking Shane Beamer questions yesterday at the presser, man, that secondary is getting thin. And, and in fact, I, I just want to point out David's questions were so good about the secondary. But Shane Beamer suggested that maybe David Cloniger, our own DC, has the football facility bugged. Oh man, I wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that you know Nick Emanwari got put into a tough situation. He was going to be a freshman backup behind R.J. Roderick, who's been a four-year starter. Well, he he won that backup spot for a reason he was really good and they really liked what he could do. Now, of course, they didn't plan on RJ going down on the first series of the year, but that's what happened. Nick Emanwari came in and has played fantastically well. Yeah, there's been a couple times where he's been a little dinged up, but he's always come back in. And I would think he's at least a freshman All-American. Got to be freshman All-SEC. And to your point, Gene, I would think he should be All-SEC, you know, freshman aside. But we'll see how the voters go with that. Anything he and DQ Smith, also a freshman, have had to play major minutes in that secondary just because they don't have anybody else. Roderick transferred two weeks ago. David Spaulding is out for the year with a foot injury. Um, they've got guys who are just, you know, a walking line to that medical tent on the sideline last year, rotating in and out just because there were so many hurt defensive backs. So they're not at the point yet, and I emphasize the yet, of pulling spare wide receivers over and trying to teach them how to play DB in a week. But that point could be fast approaching if they lose another one. Uh, the good news is, is that physically wise, as in bones, uh, bruises, you know, cuts, that kind of thing, they should be good for Florida. The bad news, there's a flu bug circulating around that building. And it started with Cam Smith last week, who really didn't play the second half because of a chest cold. And uh, B.J. Gibson, who started at safety last week, he's feeling a little under the weather. So you got to feel like, well, if one DB is feeling sick and now another got the potential for a few more. So going to be real interesting watching that secondary down in the swamp this weekend. Get your flu shots, folks. It's free. That's a pretty good deal. And uh, here's another really good bargain. David Kloniger's newsletter. You can get that at postandcourier.com slash game. Now, David, now we've got the trip to Gainesville, 4 p.m. Saturday in the swamp. The weather um, with the hurricane should be cleared out by then, according to the experts. Uh, I want to ask you some things about previous trips to Gainesville and three incredibly interesting trips in a row uh, in odd, um, even-numbered years. First, David, uh, 2010, uh, Marcus Lattimore goes wild, one of the greatest nights in Gamecock history, 36 to 14 over Florida. I know you were there. Steve Spurrier carried off the field as the Gamecocks clinched their only SEC East championship. What really sticks out in your memories about that 2010 South Carolina Florida game at the Swamp? A few things, Gene. I mean, obviously they were the better team and, and Marcus, you know, ran like Marcus did that entire freshman of the year season. Uh, the things that I saw that you can't see from the game film, one, 
that tiny media room they put us in for interviews afterwards, Marcus didn't have anywhere to sit, so he sat right beside me. And he's covered in grass stains and tired, but you know he could still run for another 100 yards. Um, secondly, after he while Marcus was up there talking, I was in the back of the room and Spurrier was kind of talking a little bit. And he said a great quote, which was, the day we won this, meaning the SEC's title, was the day we signed him and pointed to Marcus. I'll always remember that quote. And, uh, you know, I still remember writing my postgame story and thinking, I can't believe it. They're going to the SEC championship game. I never thought that that would ever be possible. You know, ever even when they joined the league in 92, it was like, that's, that's you know, that's probably something a little way too far off bordering on the impossible. But it happened. It was a great, great night and a great moment. And uh, Shane Beamer you know, was on that staff. And as he pointed out yesterday, Gene, game started pretty rotten, giving up the opening kickoff for a touchdown and knowing that Mr. Special Team scored, and it was like, uh, well, might want to go pack up my office. But <laughs> everything turned out okay. Okay, I got a trivia question for you about that game, David. Who were the two players who carried Steve Spurrier off the field. There's some iconic photos of that. And what, actually one of them hangs in the Gamecock press box at Williams Bryce. Who were the two players who carried Spurrier off the field? I'm thinking Jamon Meredith and uh, Byron Gerardo. I'm pretty sure it might be, Gerardo might be one. I think it's Lemuel Jean-Pierre. And I know for a fact, because I've written about this, the other one is West Ashley High School graduate Garrett Chisholm. Oh, Garrett Chisholm. That's who I was yeah. thinking. Okay, that's right. Yep, yep. Because there, there is that picture, and, of course, uh, ball coach is up on their shoulders and got that iconic smirk, you know. Right, right. Got you again. <laughs> so uh, I also remember that Gatorade bath because uh, you know, Spurrier kind of told him how to do it. And he smirked and kind of shrugged off the ice cubes, and Stephen Garcia was the one who gave him a bear hug and pinned his arms to his side. So, heck of a night. A 2012 game. Gamecocks lose 44-11. to 11. It was a great victory, probably the best victory for Florida head coach Will Muschamp and made an impression because I was watching in the press box with Ray Tanner for a while, and he was really impressed with Will, Will Muschamp that day. Uh, Put your own uh, two and two together there going forward. But one thing about that is, you know, the Gamecocks had played the week before at LSU, a really tough, rugged game. And that was just a tough schedule situation for them to have to play back-to-back -back road games there. What do you remember about 44 to 11 in 2012? It was something, uh, I don't have the exact number on hand, Gene, but it was something ridiculous, ridiculous. Like Florida only had maybe 138 yards of offense it was all special teams turnovers that gave them that big lead. And I remember uh, the former defensive coordinator, uh, Lorenzo Ward, whammy, who came in after the game and he's just sitting up there going, I mean, what can we do? We did our job. We held them down. Just we can't help turnovers. And that's what beat us. And somebody said, whammy, 138 yards and you lose by 33. Does that seem fair to you? And he just looked at the guy and said, life ain't fair. So, you know, it was, it was just a weird result, but it was like, well, you got to go play him, and that's what happened. And, uh, you know, it, it really stunk that, you know, they, they scored 11 points, which is hard to do in football, but somehow they pulled it off. Okay, you talk about a weird result, David. Let's go the next time the Gamecocks go down to Gainesville, 2014. The overtime victory, Dylan Thompson is at quarterback. And you know what happened to the Florida head coach right after that? What 
what what's your uh, memories of 2014 South Carolina winning in overtime? Well, first, I wasn't at that game. That was one of the first in a long time that I'd missed. I mean, my boss at the time, you know, at the state newspaper just said, uh, you know what, sit this one out. I mean, the season, it's not going to be a great year. Just go ahead and stay home. So I was watching it uh, with a friend of mine and writing it up like, uh, well, you know, they just, they, they're going to lose. But then it's weird, Gene, how it's like you, you see a path to winning, but it's going to be, well, these seven specific things have to happen. And you might even get three or four of them, but you're not going to get all of them. All seven of them happened. Mike Davis fumbles a touchdown into the end zone where only he can fall on it instead of the three Gators around. They block two kicks that game. And I find out later, one of the kicks that got blocked, uh, I forget who it was, but the guy ran through a gap that was supposed to be filled by an up back that Will Muschamp had kicked off the team just that week for being a disciplinary problem. And that's just that's that's that determines the Muschamp era at Florida. You know, he did the right thing and he got burned on it. And then, of course, Steve Spurrier shelved his legendary stubbornness in the overtime drive to win the game because, you know, he wants to throw it out. He said, nope, going to run it, going to run it. So Mike Davis, Mike Davis, Mike Davis, he threw one time a pass to Pharaoh Cooper over on the sideline to get him inside the five. And then they tried to run it to the right side. Mike Davis got squashed, but Dylan Thompson, the quarterback, was like, he saw the, the formation. If they called that play again, wide open on the left. So he said, just get on the ball, get on the ball. Called it again, faked it. And, I mean, he could have crawled into that end zone. Stepped in the end zone, threw the ball into the stands, USC wins. And I'll remember a photo from the game afterward, Jeremy Foley, Florida's athletic director at the time, just closing his eyes leaning his head, facing the goalpost, and you knew. You knew that that Muschamp was going to be done. And, of course, I find out later on the flight back, Spurrier's happy to get the win, but he's also asking his assistant coaches, you think they're going to fire Will? Man, you think they're going to fire him? Oh, man, Will was his buddy, and he didn't want to see him get fired, but sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, He was fired the very next day, adding to the list of coaches who got fired immediately after losing to the Gamecocks. And – uh. A year later, he was back at Williams Bryce Stadium accepting the job. Okay, David, let's fast forward to 2022, South Carolina against Florida, 4 p.m. at the Swamp in Gainesville. What's your score prediction for this one, DC? It's going to be tough, Gene. Obviously, USC's rushing defense did not impress anybody last week. And going to a place who has a quarterback who is six foot four and 230 pounds and runs like the wind itself in Anthony Richardson. It's going to be tough to bring that guy down. Um, and he's he's going to get his yards, and he's probably going to get a touchdown or two. That that said, outside of Richardson, nothing about Florida should scare USC. Now, they're beat up, and their offense has been spotty at best. But they're confident. They're, they had some big plays last week. And while I think it's going to be nip and tuck the whole way, that's why they play the game for four quarters. So, score prediction, your Florida Gators, 28 South Carolina, 30. Gamecocks get their seventh win and start looking at somewhere that's not Birmingham for a bowl game. All right. And if you want more of David Kloniger, check out his newsletter at postandcourier.com slash Gamecocks now. For for David Kloniger, I'm Gene Sapikoff. And join us next week on Countdown to Kickoff when we will be discussing the Gamecocks versus the Tennessee Volunteers at Williams-Brice Stadium. Don't speed through Stark, Florida.